From the Western Riverside Council of Governments, I'm Rachel Hom, and this is CogCast. Who are you people? W-R-C-O-G. We're the Western Reserve Council of God knows what we do around here. No one knows who you are. What is WRCOG? Western Riverside Council of Goobers? Like, what, what, is, what does that even mean? Citizens are generally knowledgeable of some of the local government structures that serve them. They live in incorporated cities served by locally elected city council members, or they live in unincorporated areas served by elected Board of Supervisor representatives. But in addition to these, there are a myriad of other special districts and regional agencies that often little is known, or even unknown to many, that provide key services while supporting cities and counties. So how does the Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, fit into this local and regional governance picture? Today, we are pleased to welcome Rick Bishop, WRCOG's Executive Director to CogCast. So, Rick, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Rachel, and I uh, just got to compliment you on the lavish studios <laughs> that we have here for the for the CogCast. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about where we are. Oh, okay. So, just a little description for our listening audience. We are currently in the back room of WRCOG's office space, but it's more like a glorified closet with a bunch of computers from the early 2000s. And I'm currently sitting in a broken chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a museum of computers back here, but it's about the quietest space that we can find, so we'll just make do with it. It's totally functional, so it gets the job done. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it. So um, we're talking today about um, Western Riverside Council of Governments, just kind of shooting more of a high picture level of what do we do and what is a Council of Government. So can you start us off by just answering that question? What is a Council of Government and why do they exist? Well, COGS are voluntary associations. They're usually comprised of local governments, cities, and counties. They're formed under what is called a Joint Powers Authority, which is a creature of state law. And they usually exist simply because local jurisdictions understand that from time to time there are issues that are just simply larger than what they can address by themselves at the local jurisdictional level. So, you know, if, if you're in a plane and you're flying over a landscape, um, you'll see buildings and roads and water and other topographic features, but the one thing you don't see on the ground are boundaries. You mm-hmm. don't see city boundaries, you don't see county boundaries, you don't see school district boundaries and water district boundaries, and there's a reason for that, and that's because those boundaries just don't exist. Mm-hmm. They're just political constructs, they're made up. Um, by humans to try to allow for areas to be governed at a local level. Um, I recently came across a comment from the former city of Riverside mayor, Ron Loveridge, longtime mayor of the city, uh, longtime council member as well. And he had a one-year stint as the president of the National League of Cities, and he made a speech at one of the national conferences. And uh, I was I was struck by this comment, and uh, let me just read it to you, um, quote, he said, cities and, towny, uh, cities and towns cannot solve by themselves major economic, social, and political problems. We are not walled places. We compete and succeed in a regional, national, and global marketplace. Many of our problems require us to cross boundaries, uh, end quote. And that's a really compelling statement. And if you really think about it, uh, many issues that local jurisdictions face they're not constrained to their boundaries, as I mentioned earlier, uh, because they're just political lines that are drawn on a map. So, you know, I think a lot of times one way of, of kind of talking about this is you may have heard 
of the word or the the term commute shed or air shed or maybe mm-hmm. watershed. And mm-hmm. when you hear those terms, the, the the term shed is really an acknowledgement of the fact that certain issues are much larger than can be contained or constrained in a local city or even a local county. Uh, they're just larger than that. They extend beyond these 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 sort of human constructed political boundaries. So, mm-hmm. council of governments largely because of their more extensive geography, they're comprised of a number of um, proximate cities, mm-hmm. um, local jurisdictions. They're really well suited to serve as a landing point for discussions to discuss the kinds of issues. Um, that um, that are more regional in nature, and sometimes it's uh, re- these regional approaches or sub-regional approaches are better than having individual jurisdictions going it alone. And you know, I think a lot of people don't even know what a council of governments is, and much less how many councils of governments ex- exist uh, mm-hmm. throughout the country. I've heard there's over 400 in the nation. There are wow. probably upwards of 50 in California, and there's about 15 or so just in Southern California alone. Mm-hmm. Totally. It sounds like they are needed, though, as so many issues aren't, like you, you're saying, aren't exclusive to one city, like transportation, like you talked about air quality. And so um, so can you, what would you describe as being a major objective of a council of governments? Well, I think simply stated, COGS should have as their primary objective the, uh, the, the goal of serving their members and making life easier for their members. Um, so, for example, WRCOG has 19 local jurisdictions as members. We have 18 cities in the county of Riverside. And mm-hmm. so if the state were to come out with a new regulation, rather than having each of these 19 local agencies spend time figuring out how to implement the new regulation, doesn't it? makes sense to have a council of governments working with the local jurisdictions develop a single single boilerplate approach that can then be transmitted to the members for their adaptation and use. It's just a much more cost-effective way to do things Mm -hmm. when issues are similarly impacting our member agencies. Totally. It really streamlines the process. So you, you mentioned this, but so you mentioned that cities and counties are typically members of council governments. Is that is it exclusive to only cities and counties? Uh, it's not exclusive to, to local councils of governments. That's typically the case. Most councils of governments are just city and county members. Mm-hmm. And then there are some like WRCOG that have um, additional members as well. So as I mentioned, we have 19 of our local jurisdictions, um, 18 cities and the county. But we also have um, recognizing that um, our leaders have recognized that education is important mm-hmm. to the future quality of life in Western Riverside County. And so we've added the Riverside County Superintendent of Schools as a member of WRCOG to bring that perspective uh, to our elected official leaders. Uh, we also um, recognizing the importance of water, of course, in Southern California to the economy. We've added the two largest water districts, the Eastern Municipal Water District and the Western Municipal Water District mm-hmm. to WRCOG as well. And then finally, well, we have one of our local tribes, the Morongo Band of Mission Indians, mm-hmm. recognizing they're a tribal nation and they have a huge impact locally um, in the subregion's quality of life. And they're also a member as well. So what exactly do COGS do and how do they get their assignments? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think this is where... Um, it's important to talk about the distinction between a council of governments and then other regional agencies. There, there are literally thousands of regional agencies throughout the state, and this is, you know, most most residents, most constituents really aren't aware of that. They're aware of their their city or their county and their school district, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, uh, they don't know much about them. But um, 
There are special and single-purpose agencies like a transportation commission that deals just with transportation. In Riverside County, it's the Riverside County Transportation Commission. They do a fantastic job. But the one thing that really differentiates councils of governments from these single-purpose entities is that a council of governments doesn't have specific assignments. So the, the Joint Powers Agreement, which is the document that sort of sets the course for what WRCOG does, if you look at it, it doesn't have specific assignments. It's really very, very broad and I think intentionally vague because I think that the founders of the Council of Governments wanted to have an agency that could be a, a point of ideas and a point of discussion for its members so that we could have the flexibility to deal with the issue of the week or the issue of the month or the issue of the year, whatever our members collectively decided was important that could be a, um, that could be looked at and examined at a regional perspective. And so um, I think that this kind of vague definition of the COG is actually um, what allows uh, WRCOG to do pretty much whatever its members assign to it. Mm-hmm. So then if there is this um, definitional vagueness that goes along with COG's assignments, how has how WRCOG been set up and how are those decisions of what they do actually made? Well, WRCOG, uh, we have a really extensive committee structure that supports the decision-making that occurs with our elected officials. So when I talk about our elected officials, officials, Rachel, I'm saying that each of our member agencies appoints a, a mayor or a city council to be its mm-hmm. representative to WRCOG. So we're, we're like, think of a city council that has five or seven members. We're like that on steroids. We've got like 25 members that we report to. But beyond, behind the, the executive committee meetings, which occur every month, we've set up a, a really extensive committee structure uh, that is comprised of all of the city managers representing our member agencies, all of the, and then another committee with the public works directors, another committee with the planning directors, mm-hmm. another committee with the finance directors. So the idea there is we want to make sure that the staffs of, of our member agencies are fully aware of the issues that are moving through the, count, the Council mm-hmm. of Governments, and provide opportunities for staff to vet these issues, um, and make sure that we're all in sync and we're all in agreement when we take the issues to the Executive Committee for you know final consideration. And that's kind of the that that and the question that we talked about prior is really what makes a, a Council of Governments succeed and stand out is that you have this committee structure and then you also have the flexibility for the Council of Governments to be able to do what its members want to achieve rather than necessarily what they have to do. Um, so then in your view, what are a couple of things that are critical to COG being successful? Well, there are probably a whole bunch of different things that you could look at that make a council of government successful. I could probably touch on just a few of them. First, you just have to have elected officials that understand the benefits of a council of governments. Uh, It all starts at the top. And so any organization needs direction and leadership from people that believe in the mission and are committed to working together and have a mindset that understands the benefits of a regional approach to certain issues. And that's not always easy. Uh, So it's important to have elected official leadership. Secondly, um, it's really important for a a local government agency such as a COG to be able to take a few risks, measured risks. Mm -hmm. And this is really tough, especially for government, because... You know, government, the public perception of government is not always great. I think we all know that. And so when you're dealing with public perception not being, um, you know, optimal, 
it really precludes local agencies from wanting to take risks. It actually pushes them in the other direction to be more risk adverse. And Mm -hmm. I was recently at a conference and I heard a presentation that I thought was really uh, interesting. The presentation was from a former executive with Pixar Studios, the animation company. Mm -hmm. And he painted a pretty clear picture, at least in his mind, of what separates the private sector from the public sector. And he was really talking about the fact that in his view, the difference is that while the public sector is afraid to try anything new because of this negative scrutiny that might become associated with failure Mm -hmm. or perceived failure, the private sector actually builds failure into its model for success. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be a really interesting statement. So in other words, his point was that the private sector realizes that failure is part of the, the path to success. And as such, they're, they're generally content with what I guess I would call a two steps back, three steps forward approach to improving products and improving efficiencies. And, you know, we've probably all heard quotes that are along the lines of 99% of success is built on failure. But when you look at local governments, the risk-averse mindset of the public sector sometimes places it at a standstill. Mm -hmm. And that in itself might be a risky strategy given the pace at which things are changing and growing in a sub-region like Western Riverside County. So, But when I'm also talking about taking risks, I'm not talking about um, like driving a car like you stole it or anything like that. You know, we're talking about, you know, making sure that you're you're being very calculated and you're aware of the risks that you might be um, facing when you're taking on a new program and you're fully uh, able to identify them and then deal with them along the way and understand them and recognize them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, as I mentioned, the region is growing so quickly and technology is changing things and people are changing mm-hmm. um, that we just can't continue to govern the way um, that we that we are now. We have to think differently. Yeah. So kind of a follow-up question to that then. In You said how taking risks is crucial to the success of a COG. Then how does risk taking and from a COG's perspective differ from like risk taking from like the city's perspective? Uh, it's It really shouldn't in a way. Um, but I think what's important for us at WRCOG is to be able to cultivate an environment where people are comfortable placing new ideas in our lap. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can really do that is you have to be able to create a track record of success. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've been able to do that at WRCOG over time. Um, Because if you don't do that, then nobody's going to want to give you any kind of an assignment at all. So, you know, over time, you sort of have to build a resume of success. um, And in the programs you implement, in the ideas that you vet, in the relationships that you build Mm -hmm. um, and results speak for themselves. And so when you are able to do things that maybe are a little bit outside the box, uh, which is what a council of governments I think is designed to do, and you're able to succeed, then it really opens the door for creativity to occur in local Mm -hmm. government. And that's really one of our objectives. Totally. So you would say that success, well, I'll just ask you, how do you define success for a council of government? Um, Well, that's a question that I think you probably would ask it to different members of different councils of governments. Right. You might get different, you know, different responses. But for me, I think one indicator of success is to look at the range or disparity of programs and issues that a cog addresses or implements. I think that's a really good indicator. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that a cog doesn't have any definition or requirement with respect to what it's supposed to do, and so that does open the door for it to do whatever its members want to achieve. And so over time, you build this resume of programs that are based on, 
you know, the issues of, at the moment um, that have occurred in the last five years to the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when you take a look at WRCOG, um, we have a real wide range of programs that we administer on behalf of our members. They range from uh, multi-jurisdictional transportation fee programs that we think we have a program that's one of the largest of its kind in the country. It's about a $3 billion uh, transportation fee program. We uh, manage uh, approximately 40,000 acres of endangered species habitat. We have implemented cutting-edge energy and water conservation programs. We're currently helping our local jurisdictions purchase nearly 50,000 streetlights in the region to retrofit them to LED, which is going to save them tens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. over time. Um, we're even moving to um, start providing, purchasing and providing electricity to businesses and residents that we hope will be a lower rate and at a greener mix of energy, mm-hmm. uh, which will further put Western Riverside County on the map as being a really energy efficiency and water conservation minded. So it sounds like, and seems like, there's a lot being accomplished at WR, WR Cog in a variety of different programs. And like you were saying, that's really a mark of, of a successful COG is that disparity of programs. Um, but let's kind of face a reality. I think that's kind of true. A lot of constituency want to see less government, not more. And so with that in mind, how exactly would you explain or convey WR COG's value to those who are concerned with the amount of government agencies that are existing and already out there? Yeah, well, first you have to, that's a great question again, and, and you have to recognize that um, there is some validity um, when constituents are concerned about, you know, the just the tons of governmental entities that are out there because it's confusing and they mm-hmm. don't understand it. And uh, we're, we're no stranger to those observations and, and also to that criticism. So, you know, first of all, you have to just sort of understand and, and agree that there are, there are literally hundreds of governmental entities throughout the state, if not thousands, and, and that can be confusing to constituents. And we hear from time to time this kind of discourse that occurs with agencies like ours as being unnecessary and duplicative. It's a common criticism um, that we hear from folks that either don't understand what we do or are just generally critical of government. And you have to understand and recognize that there are, there are folks like that. Um, one of the criticisms we often hear is that many regional agencies like, like ours or transportation commissions and things of that sort they're not comprised of, of directly elected officials. And you may have heard the term shadow government. I'm not quite sure what shadow government means. I always think <laughs> that only the shadow knows, you know, what a shadow <laughs> government really is. But we're, we're often accused of that because the, the representatives of WRCOG are not directly elected. You, you don't go to the ballot and vote for a council of governments representative. Um, but what you do is you vote for a city council representative or a board of supervisors mm-hmm. representative. And WRCOG's leaders mm-hmm. are those elected officials. They're those elected officials that represent our member agencies. And so the member agencies appoint one of these elected officials, a mayor or a council member, to be its representative to WRCOG. And this, in my view, is actually much more efficient than what critics would uh, would otherwise convey mm-hmm. because we're able to communicate directly with elected officials that represent our member agencies rather than conversely having to 
communicate with a, quote, directly elected official to the to WRCOG that has otherwise has no affiliation to the city or county. Mm-hmm. And so if if that were the case, we would be having an additional layer or burden where mm-hmm. we're, who are we making recommendations to? We're ma- making a recommendation to an elected official or an elected official body that has no affiliation with the member agency. So right. intuitively, that makes that makes absolutely no sense and, you know, actually goes against the notion of trying to get people together uh, to work on issues of common concern. Uh, so, you know, that's that's one of the major issues. And then, you know, the other thing that we we hear a lot about is, um, you know, unnecessary or empire building and things of that nature. And we're always going to be in a in a situation where it's important for us to educate constituents that our main goal is to help our members implement programs in a more cost-effective manner on a mm-hmm. regional level than what they might be able to do mm-hmm. individually. And so we're constantly kind of banging the drum that one of our major and foremost goals is to be cost-effective mm-hmm. rather than duplicative. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll always have to, that's always an uphill battle to do, but we're, we're happy to kind of keep educating um, as, as the need occurs. Totally. And from what you were telling me earlier about the structure of how WRCOC functions, there's a lot of layers and account- accountability and nets of planning directors and all of these other committees that have people that are invested in that specific jurisdiction that are reporting back and um, contributing to WRCOG discussions of how to really better the um, regional quality of life. Um, so let's vision cast a little bit. What what does the future look like for Western Riverside County and what do you see WRCOG's role in that being? It's a good question. And well, you know, Western Riverside is a really fast-growing region. And what we do know is that in 10 years and in 20 years, it's going to be a very different place than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a role for regional governance and agencies like WRCOG to help shape that growth or help our local jurisdictions shape that growth. And to that end, uh, we have developed um, an economic development and sustainability framework. And that framework contains the major objectives for WRCOG's potential involvement in the future. And so our board has set forth these priorities, which include economy or economic development, transportation, water, education, energy environment, and healthcare. So those are like the major issues that our board has stated they think there could be a potential role for WRCOG in the future. But we don't just take any task on. We don't just take any request that comes our way on. We've developed a filtering process that we use to evaluate requests And when we are filtering a particular request to see if it's suitable for WRCOG's involvement, we ask a series of questions. One, is the issue multi-jurisdictional? Is it an issue that ties back to those framework objectives that I just mentioned? Mm -hmm. Um, Is the issue already being addressed somewhere else? Uh, We're trying to avoid duplication. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we have the resources to be effective? And then potentially, most importantly, um, is will WRCOG's involvement provide a return on the investment that we're making? So in other words, is there a high potential for us to make a difference? And so that's our role. We're going to wait and we're going to see. We're going to see how issues um, come to our table. We're going to evaluate the issues and then we're going to collectively ascertain whether or not WRCOG can make a difference. Totally. And that ties back to what you were talking about a little bit earlier in our discussion just about um, calculated risk taking. And I think 
as Western Riverside County continues to be one of the um, fastest growing regions or counties in the nation. I think I just read a study the, the other day that said it is the third fastest growing county in the United States and it's behind two counties in Texas. So it's the fastest growing one in California. Um, but as that growth is coming, how are we regionally preparing in regards to traffic, air quality, all of those things that you mentioned before. And so I think that WRCOG as a regional agency really creates a platform for jurisdictions and member agencies to come together and really discuss these issues and how to best prepare for this projected growth in the long run. Um, but thank you so much for being here with us today, Rick. We really appreciate your time. Um, any last thoughts before we sign off? No, thanks, Rachel. It was a fun podcast. Awesome. Um, so stay tuned for our next and upcoming um, episodes. We're going to be spotlighting many of the major WRCOG programs and exploring how um, they are regionally impacting our communities. So thank you so, so much for listening. The Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, exists to unify the Western Riverside County so that it can speak with a collective voice on important issues that affect its members. For more information on WRCOG and the COGCAST, please visit us at www.wrcog.us.